Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. All right, so good morning. It's really good to see everybody. Um, I'm going to keep talking about myself to a minimum because who I am is not important. Uh, my name is Billy Tatum. Um, I'm married to Layla Tatum in the back. Um, if you would like to get to know me, I would love to get to know everybody here. And I've gotten to know some of you kind of briefly, you know, during my time being here. Um, <clears throat> I was just thinking about my first impression when I first came uh, uh, here. And I don't remember when it was. It was probably about two months ago. It was a really, really good first impression. Um, you know, it, it, you guys are so welcoming but there's there's one thing in particular i have to commend this church on when i first walked in you know hi you know you know what's your name and everything uh just so you know the bathroom you know it's right around the corner and oh okay well that's good to know so you know we slowly walk on in here and say hi you know it's really do you know where the bathroom is you know and i kid you not it was like one other time hey you know it's so great to have it do you know where the bathroom is and it's right around the corner you know it's right and so okay and i told my wife you know before we left like i've got to see this bathroom like <laughs> So, <laughs> so anyway, I, I commend you guys on letting everybody know where the bathroom is. That's uh, definitely very, especially with as much water as I drink. Uh, if everyone will, go ahead and turn to John chapter 7. That's what we're going to be reading today. Um, one thing I will talk about myself is this particular detail right here, a very critical detail. Uh, I have been born again by our Lord and Savior. In fifth grade, I went to a, a chapel service. I realized that I was dead in my sins, that if I had died in that moment, I would be going to hell because I was guilty of breaking the commandments of a holy God. I was as guilty as I could possibly be. And... Um, I recognize that the only way for me to be saved is to turn away from sin and to place all of my faith and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that He made on the cross, which I deserve, but He took the penalty of my sin. He rose three days later, and uh, the throne right now is not empty. He is seated on the throne, and it's not something, you know, I did way back then. It's something that I've been doing my entire life. I've noticed repentance isn't something you do one time and then you're good. When you are born again, you live a lifestyle of repentance. You're constantly coming closer and closer and closer to God. You're constantly being conformed more and more to His image. And so that has uh, been my life turning away from lying, turning away from bitterness, uh, turning away from wanting vengeance and to get back at people, uh, wanting, uh, turning away from all sorts of immoral thoughts. Uh, this is what I tell everyone. Guys, I, I'm a bad person. I'm not a good person. You know, I'm guilty of breaking God's law. There's nothing good about the Billy Tatum you're looking at in the flesh right now except for Jesus Christ who's alive in me. I'm not righteous. Like you said, I am not a holy person. I'm very unholy. But because I'm unholy, I give my God the opportunity to shine His holiness through me. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that I can ever do such a thing. It's not because I'm just a genuinely good person. It's because God has worked through me by the means of the Holy Spirit alive inside of me. And I'm just so thankful 
that he's paid the price for my sin and is constantly changing me even today. So John chapter uh, 7, if everyone will, take a look at verse 37. Our designated text for today is just going to be 37 through 39. We're going to go over a multitude of scriptures that go along with striving, I guess you could say, for holiness in our perfect, uh, I'm sorry, in our day-to-day lives. John chapter 7, verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, whom those who had believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's take a moment to pray. God, right now we come before you, Lord, humbled. We ask that you please open the eyes to our heart and give us understanding as Lord. We can't come to any true understanding of the scriptures without you first revealing it to us. God, we want to worship you as our creator. And Lord, just right now, please be with us, teach us. Let it not be my words, Lord, but your words that change our hearts. And it's through the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so we've read this right here, and there's one thing in particular, and this is where we get the title of the message today. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The the term river here, how how many of you have been kayaking before, uh, canoeing, you know, something like that on a river? Probably at least a good amount of you. Uh, Have you ever been kayaking through rapids? Or through, you know, rocks. Uh, you know, it picks up a little bit more. Have you ever just sat in, you know, the stillness almost of the river and just kind of floated down? The rivers, the term used right here, is more of that raging water, that unstoppable uh, river type flow. And that's something that's supposed to be coming out of each and every believer. And see, so if there's not a river flowing out of you from your innermost being, there's a problem. And of course, this reflects Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost, because coming to Christ is without any sort of cost, I guess you could say, in a worldly sense. It's a cost of us denying our own self, saying, God, I don't want to do life my way, but rather I want to do life your way. And that salvation isn't based on any works we do. It's only based on His mercy and His grace. You know, it's by grace that we're saved through faith and that not of our works, lest any man should boast. See, I'm not responsible for 1% of my saving. God's responsible for 100%. 
It's not because of my church attendance. It's not because I'm a good person. And I don't know if uh, how many of you have uh, you know gone out and tried to witness on your own. Hopefully everyone has, but if you haven't, most people I ask, are you a good person? How many of you think they say, well, yeah, you know, I'm a good person. Let me ask you this. How many of you, if I asked you right now, are you a good person? Regardless of what your answer is, how many of you want to say, I'm a good person? Probably about everybody, right? Because we all want people to think that we're good, generally because we see ourselves as good in our own eyes. It tells us in Proverbs that the way that seems good unto man, but its way ends in destruction. You see, there's a, a good old country boy, a good old country girl way you know, that the culture determines what's good and what's bad. But that way ends in destruction. The only way to salvation is right here. It's God-given. So, <clears throat> I have a, uh, my own pressure washing business. One day I was on the job and I noticed that uh, the water ran out you know, while I was spraying. Uh, one of the, the big things on uh, what I do is you never want your solution to dry on any surface. Why it sprayed some solution on and during the watering down process, it's like the water tank just went empty all of a sudden. Uh, you know, I went and I played for it, uh, with it for a little bit. You know, I unscrewed the hose, you know, to the water spigot. And, you know, the water was flowing just fine, but it wasn't going into the tank. Well, I just sit there and I scratch. I could not figure out what is going on here. So then eventually I attached the, or detached the hose from the hose reel, and I noticed the little filter right there, it was all clogged up. And the water wasn't able to feed into the water tank so that I could continue down watering down that solution, you know, on the surface where I had just applied it to clean it, of course. You know, and I, I keep thinking about this in terms of this portion of Scripture that we've just gone over. You know, a lot of Christians go through their day-to-day -day lives with their spiritual filters clogged. How many of you have ever had a water pressure problem in your house? I had one of those uh, just last year. It was uh, an issue. And I'm not a plumber. Uh, I'm not an electrician. I don't know anything about electricity. If I were to touch a wire, you know, <laughs> I would be the first one to get electrocuted and my hair stands straight up, you know. I, I don't know anything about that hardly, you know. It's a learning process that I'm going through. Uh, I Never hire me as a handyman. Uh, I just want to make that public disclosure, you know. I will break everything you have by working on one little thing. Um, and so the water pressure wasn't working, and so, you know, I fooled with it, and I fooled with it, and, you know, I looked around, and, you know, I thought, okay, you know, maybe there's a filter in here, you know, that, well, lo and behold, the whole house water filter was absolutely disgusting. Yeah, that's nice to announce, right? It, it was, you know, it was full of just, you know, red clay, and the house wasn't getting the water flow that it needed. The only way we can have this river of living water gushing out of us is if we're not clogging the Spirit leading our lives. You know, in American culture, one of the things that we're known as is a distracted world. You know, anything, anytime you have a hard time, you know, uh, something comes up and it's stressing you out, we have a multitude of options to distract ourselves, don't we? 
You know, you can turn on the television, you know, you can turn on the radio, um, you know, you can just go, I don't know, play a sport that you like doing, you know, go back in the woods, you know, and, you know, go camping or something like that. And goodness, in today's world, if none of that works, there's a pill to fix it. You know, there's a pill for everything today. You know, if we turn to the world for our source of comfort, that's a means of clogging what the Spirit is really trying to tell us in our lives. If everyone will flip to Ephesians chapter 4. There's one thing um, that I love going over in regard to godly living because uh, in talking about personal holiness, there's behaviors that come along with it. Now what Jesus... Uh, was saying right here is this innermost being is going something is going to be flowing out of it now we know that that's not literal you know that would be you know uh, rivers of vomit will be flowing out of you that wouldn't make sense we know Jesus what he's talking about is metaphorical for the fruits of the spirit pouring you know gushing out of us but see what hinders us from the fruit of the Spirit gushing out of us? I can tell you the, the one word answer is pride. Because pride is, you know, the chief of every sin because everything stumbles right under the umbrella of pride. Every sin you can imagine stems from pride. My way, I want to do it my way. It's about me, uh, my reputation. I got to stand up for myself, you know, and so on. So I want to go over some behaviors right now that you may have in your life that would be clogging, um, that would be clogging, I guess, your innermost being from the rivers of living water pouring out of you. Because we know it's the Holy Spirit that causes this river to be gushing out of us. And this river is metaphorical for the fruits of the Spirit, godly living, striving for holiness. But this only comes through practicing a set of behaviors. And the only way we can practice these behaviors is by denying our own self and being completely under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians chapter 4, take a look at uh, verse 25. And uh, I'm going to kind of take a little miniature break, you know, as I go through each one of these. And then, of course, uh, we're going to be getting to Galatians here soon. Therefore, laying aside falsehood. All right, so here's a big one right here. Um, I recently just heard of someone uh, who is a professed Christian, whether they are, whether they're not, I don't know. And I heard, you know, you can't believe a word that person says. Is that something we should be known as as a Christian? You know what the Bible calls that? That's falsehood. That's deceitful living. And see, whenever we've done something we shouldn't have done and someone directly approaches us about that something that we shouldn't have done, generally, not always, generally speaking, what's our first impulsion? Tell a lie about it, right? That takes the instant you know, heat off of you and uh, how many of you have ever told a lie and then got caught in a lie later on? And wasn't it twice, probably, you know, about all of us in this room, isn't it twice as bad when that happens? If you live 
a version of a deceitful lifestyle that will clog the Holy Spirit in your life. Did you know that? And when I say deceitful lifestyle, you know one thing uh, I would say us as human beings were famous for doing? Bending the truth to where it suits our needs. Well, I didn't exactly tell him anything that was untrue. I just didn't tell him, you know, the whole truth. You see how we love rationalizing so that we can uh, get away with sin? See, that's called deceitful living. When you try to give a particular impression over something that is something different than what the truth is. And see, we all know what that's like. And at one point in time, I would imagine all of us have practiced that before. It's giving a false impression to other people about you know, a multitude of different topics. Maybe uh, you know, you're selling something. How many of you have ever you know, sold something that you know, was pretty expensive and you didn't want to talk about the bad things, but you kind of want to deceitfully make them think, you know, this is your dream that I'm selling you right now, but in the back of your mind you knew all the problems that was coming along with it. That's what we would call a deceitful lifestyle. That's what the Bible calls falsehood. And so if you're living in any sort of, and it's not like you do this on an everyday basis, but if there are times where you're living unrepentantly in some sort of falsehood, some sort of lie, that will clog the Holy Spirit. It will. That will grieve the Holy Spirit. How can you strive for holiness when you're clinging for dear life onto worldliness? And what is worldliness? Worldliness is clinging to that falsehood because we're under some illusion that it makes life easier. God said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross daily. Because sometimes telling the truth over an issue, you know, sometimes, you know, we think in our mind, I would rather just die than to tell the truth. That's part of this self-denying lifestyle that we all need to be living. Speak truth, each one of you, to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. All right, so here's another one. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Now I want to pause right there for a second. How many of you right now are honest and humble enough to raise your hand and say you have a short fuse? I would say it speaks for a good chunk of us, right? Uh, I'll tell you one of the things that it just almost instantly lights me up. When I'm on a tractor or I'm doing something and something doesn't work properly. Have you ever had to deal with that? You know, a lawnmower, a weed eater? You pull that string, you know, you exhaust yourself pulling the stupid string and it's not, and you just want it to crank so that you can go back inside where it's nice and cool and relax for the rest of it. But nope, now we can't do this. You know, I, it's just those things. But look, and of course, that's talking about, you know, being angry with an object. Here in the scriptures, it's more so directed towards being angry with people. Uh, how many of you get angry with people generally very easily? Um, I would imagine if you are, you might be a business owner or you might work in some sort of public 
uh, <laughs> some sort of public field, right? You know, people are, this is the truth, people are difficult to deal with, right? Why are people difficult to, uh, difficult to deal with? Because they're not all like me. You know, they're not like us. They're all different than us, and that makes people difficult because we're all different. And see, I'm going to be difficult for you because you just want me to do everything your way. You're going to be difficult for me because I just want you to do everything my way. And see, this is where pride uh, crashes into each other. You know, pride has a head-on collision, and that's why people... So look, be angry and yet do not sin. So this tells us that there is an anger, and by the way, let me just put a little footnote, an anger that would not be is a righteous type anger, which accounts for maybe 99 probably. Like if someone takes the name of the Lord my God in vain, that makes me angry. I don't have any tolerance for that. That would be a righteous anger. Jesus in the temple flipping tables, you know, uh, yanking the coins. That was a righteous anger. I can't believe, you know, such and such put this in the bulletin like that. You know, don't they know how to, you know, spell river? You know, whatever. You know, and I think it's spelled right. I haven't even looked. I don't know. But that, that's an example. See, that's where pride comes into play. See, we're supposed to be exercising patience with one another. If I'm exercising anger, dissension, strife, malice, here's a big one, slander, I'm going to be clogging the Holy Spirit from flowing out of my life. And let me just take a little side note on slander. I don't know if y'all know this, but slander is one of the ascribed names to Satan. He's the slanderer. If you don't know what slander is, let me make it explicitly clear. Gossip. This is what I would like to charge everyone in this room with. The next time you say, well, you know, I heard, stop, pause, right there. Even if it makes the situation awkward, just I want to charge you all with this practice. Stop, pause, and think for a moment. What am I about to say? Am I about to slander somebody? See, if you want to look like Satan, all you have to do is start slandering and gossiping about other people. Did you know that? That's one of the ascribed titles of Satan, the slanderer. If you want to be like Satan, all you have to do, you don't have to go to some Satan temple and worship him. All you have to do is slander about other people on the phone, behind closed doors, in secret, in the secret places. You know, all you got to do is gossip about other people. Be a secret revealer. Because there's a sense about us that takes pride in knowing everybody's secret, isn't it? And there's another sense, I want everyone to know that I'm so important that I know everybody's secrets. And we try to display that in an unrighteous, prideful manner by sharing the secrets of other people. Are you starting to see how gossiping and Satan worship are interchangeable? They're together, they're connected. If you live a lifestyle of gossiping about other people, you are practicing a lifestyle 
of sin, that causes strife, that causes hardship, that causes divisions. We're not supposed to be known as gossipers and slanderers. Because it makes us look bad, but you know who it really makes look bad? The one we serve. That's what a Christian does. That's, well, goodness, I can go around gossiping about people. Is that what Christianity is all about? See, everything we do, if we name the name of Christ, one, if you name the name of Christ, depart from iniquity, but two, if you name the name of Christ, you reflect your master. How many of you have ever gone to a restaurant before and uh, your food wasn't right? Or you've known someone, their food wasn't right. And the, age, uh, the, the waitress has like, you know, a bad attitude or whatever. What's your first reaction? Who do you want to talk to? The manager. Can you please bring your manager out? Because even though the waitress, you know, whatever the situation is, even though they're the one who did the wrong, who does it ultimately reflect on? The manager, the company, right? See, the way we behave ourselves in day-to-day -day life reflects on what a servant of Christ looks like. And if you're going to live in sin, at least do this one thing. Don't go around naming the name of Christ. Keep his name out of your life until you're willing to humble yourself and repent. Because if you're naming the name of Christ and living in iniquity, how bad does that look on everybody who names the name of Christ? How many of you have ever heard, well, I don't go to church because all the hypocrites in the church? I believe a lot of us have probably heard that one, right? Where did they get this idea of hypocrite from? Generally, because the church has a lot of hypocrites in it. Now, you've got the hypocrites to where they're not saved, and they, they leave church and they go back home and live in sin the rest of the week. And then you've got some to where we all know to a degree we're all hypocrites, right? Okay, so there's no getting around that. To a degree, we're all hypocrites in our own way. We try to minimize that as much as possible by yielding to the Spirit. So I better get on uh, with the message anyway. That was just a little side note about uh, slander. Uh, if you have a watch, you might as well put a piece of tape over it. Uh, time is irrelevant when I'm speaking the word of God, you know. <laughs> so don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity because whenever you act on someone else in your anger, you give the devil an opportunity to sow discord. Did you know that? Have you ever read this before and thought about that every time you lash out in some sort of anger hatred bitterness or malice you give the devil opportunity paul said look even when you're angry don't sin or you're going to give the devil an opportunity in your life to wreak havoc verse 28 he who steals must steal no longer but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Okay, so that's pretty straightforward. Uh, if we have any thieves in here, stop stealing. <laughs> yeah, go to work and you know, so that you'll have money to give rather than you taking money from other people. 
Verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word is as good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. If you're a Christian and you're not being careful about what comes out of your mouth, that will clog your water flow of that river pouring out of you. To be more specific, James says, if you don't bridle your tongue, you know how you bridle a horse and you know you guide it around. You know, if you don't put basically a bit in your mouth and guide your tongue, guide the things that come out of your mouth, and you think that you're, you know, a religious or a spiritual or a close to God person, he says, you're just deceiving yourself. You see how, how important it is in the scriptures for us to guard and constantly be sober-minded about the things that come out of our mouth? And of course it says in another place <clears throat> in the scripture along with, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Let all filthy language not be named in your mouth whatsoever. Guys, this is one of the most aggravating have you ever had like a pet peeve or something, you know, they're just doing something and it really just gets on your last nerve and, you know, you're trying to exercise patience, you know, the best you can uh, because you're following Christ. But it's just one of those things like every time you see it, it, you know, it irks you. Guys, when I hear someone naming the name of Christ, especially using God's name in a vain and idle, a meaningless manner and you, filthy language coming out of their mouth, what? on earth are we doing what is happening why are you not bridling your mouth because what did jesus say it's not what goes into the person that defiles you but rather what comes out of you that defiles you that's another charge if there's anyone in this room and see I get to speak freely with not having to worry about individuals I'm stepping on your toes. And even if I did know, I would say it anyway. Guys, if there's anyone in this room who uses filthy language, stop it. In the name of our Lord and Savior, stop it. That should not be proceeding out of your mouth. As a, if you're going to let filthy language come out of your mouth, stop naming the name of Christ until you're willing to repent. Okay? Boy, I'm probably going to be asked to come back here, am I? <laughs> Let's keep reading. <laughs> Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. See, when we have these behaviors that reflect worldly living and refle uh, reflect satanic practices like gossiping, slandering, uh, falsehood, um, causing strife, uh, dissensions, you know, and so forth. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, and this is another uh, point right here. I would underline this because this is such a critical thing that we're all susceptible to, and that's another thing. Let no one be so prideful to think, well, laying aside falsehood, well, there's no way I could be guilty of that. You know what comes before a fall, according to the Bible? I think a lot of you do know. Pride. No one in this room is above temptation for any of this. Which is why we have to go to God daily. God, please today lead me away from temptation. 
Please protect and deliver me from all forms of evil creeping into my life. Keep the evil one away from me and keep me away from him. So verse 31, let all bitterness. Here's a critical thing. This is not very talked about in the churches today. Guys, if you have bitterness towards anybody, Right now, especially a member of the household of faith, you will be clogged of rivers of living water flowing out of you. Okay? Everybody in this room, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise any hands, every one of us in this room knows what bitterness is like. We know how easily we get bitter with people. And I once heard Billy Graham say this, there's nothing wrong with the birds flying over your head. There's nothing wrong with the temptations flying over your head. Because that's going to come, that's life. But you can help what you let nest in your mind and dwell and sink in. You know, bitterness, this is what I've noticed, and I heard another pastor say this. Bitterness is a lot like bad breath. Everybody around you can sense it, but you don't know that you have it until you're willing to humble yourself and recognize you need to clean up. So let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. See, we're supposed to clothe ourselves daily. You know, just like, you know, I put this suit on, you know, I put the tie on, you know, you put your clothes on. We're supposed to be clothing ourselves daily with humility and constantly taking off the old way of living. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. (coughs) Here's a, um, a good rule of thumb. How many of you right now, if you've been caught in some sin, you want God to forgive you instantly? Let's just say, you know, you're on the road and uh, let's just say, you know, you curse another driver and you were about, you know, from here to there to running into, you know, the back of a rollback or something and dying. How many of you, if you prayed God to forgive you, you God, please forgive me. How many of you would want him to forgive you right then or to wait a few days? You want them to forgive you right then, right? You're not going to be around a few days. You know that you're you're looking at death. You know right there. You want them to forgive you right then, right? If God can forgive you of breaking eternally settled in heaven commandments, because that's what Psalm tells us. His word is eternally settled in heaven. If He can forgive you of that, can you not forgive? other people of temporary wrongs instantly? Well, I I just don't feel forgiveness. I'm just not there yet. God never told anyone you got to feel something in order to forgive them. You choose to forget. You know one of the sayings I hate in our culture is this right here. Follow your heart. You know, just follow it wherever wherever it leads you. You know, follow your Guys, that's an anti-biblical, ridiculous... Do you know how many immoralities I would probably be in instead this morning if I let my heart lead me? 
But what am I commanded to do? I'm commanded to lead my heart to godliness. I'm commanded to bring my body into subjection. Paul said it's a lot like a a boxing match with my own self every day. Psalms 132, 3 through 5. And see, uh, before I read that, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ also have forgiven you. To have rivers of living water flowing out of you, it's to put all, uh, I guess you could say, unholy ways of living away from you. And to clothe yourself with godly ways. See, you can tell a lot about where you spiritually are based on how much you hunger for the Word. If you're, <coughs> excuse me, if you're not hungry for the Word, you're not hungry for prayer, you don't hunger to go to church, you don't hungry to study the Bible with other believers, that's a good indicator your filter is clogged. Let me give you an example in the Scriptures of what it looks like when that filter's not clogged. Psalms 132, 3-5. Surely I will not enter my house, nor lie on my bed. This is David speaking. I will not give slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord. A dwelling place for the Almighty One of Jacob. You know what David's heart craved after? It wasn't the bread when he was hungry. It wasn't the sleep when he was tired. It was God's word before he was going to give his flesh any relief whatsoever because his spirit needed a bigger relief. And this right here, this is the only thing that can give our spirit relief because the Holy Spirit works through the reading of his word. And see, a lot of us think, you know, it's a general, you know, that person's a thief, so it's kind of talking about them. You know, well, that person, you know, they hate, you know, it's talking about them. Godly living in the Bible is described as personal, direct commands. Okay? So it's it's commands that we need to be living in our lifestyle, and it's not something, you know, we just ponder on. It's something we have to deliver, just like you practice a sport, you deliberately have to practice this. All right, so I want everyone to picture this scenario really quick. Let's say in 45 minutes, Donald Trump is going to be walking through those doors and he's going to be standing on this stage right here. What would be going through everyone's mind? We got to get things ready. I'm sorry, what's your name? Steve? All right, Steve, I need you to make sure that the water fountains, you know, are working right and we've got clean uh, water. Uh, What's your name? Kristen? Kristen, I need you to make sure that the toilets are running, that they're clean, you know, that everything is good. And uh, what's your name? Mark. Mark, Mark, I need you to make sure that the entryway, you know, it's sweeped. Uh, And what's your name? Nathan. Nathan, I need you to make sure that the mics, you know, they're all working. You you see the deliberate, the individual commands that, you know, we're all, and, you, you know, you have a job to do. Guys. God presents in the New Testament that you have a job to do and you're commanded to do it. Because, see, Donald Trump's not going to be walking in, you know, the next 45 minutes. I'm, you know, not, you know, some false prophet, you know, trying to come up here and be ridiculous. But this is what I will say. The king is coming. 
and he expects you to be getting ready for him right now. Have you ever thought about that, that sobering you know, thought? Of course you have. I hope you have. The church in Thessalonica, they were all quitting their jobs. They thought Jesus was going to come at any time. That's how the New, uh, the New Testament church, that's how they live. He's going to be coming any day that they quit their jobs. Paul had to tell them, no, if you don't work, then you don't need to be eaten either. Go back to work. When he comes, you know, he comes. Are you living your life right now? Putting aside, you know, falsehood, you know, everything else and practicing godly living as if Jesus were going to be coming in the next 45 minutes. Because if you're actively doing these things, God promises you He will use you and rivers of living water will be flowing out of you. And uh, as much as I would like to give through this, you know, this is one of my biggest problems about speaking. I have endless amounts of notes and uh, not endless amounts of time. Uh, maybe we should have, uh, you know, where from sun up, you know, to sundown, like they did in the Old Testament at times. I would love that. I could speak all day and uh, not miss a beat. But if everyone will flip over to Galatians, let's uh, take a look at here. Galatians chapter five. So all you have to do is flip back just a few pages. And I'm just going to read through this, 5, uh, 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, and this is a list that Paul goes through to where it's not something he was just telling the early church. This applies to all of us today. Like those individual commands, these are direct commands. Stay away from all of this. Immorality. Immorality would be sexually immoral, whether in thought or deed. Impurity, involvement with things defiled by the ways and practices of the world. Uh, sensuality, uh, the term originally means excessive behavior or lack of restraint in life, but has become attached to sexual excess or indulgence living. Living a godly life is a living, or I'm sorry, is living in a world uh, a world-restrained life. Idolatry. All right, so I want to pause on this one right here. The early church, they had you know, a problem with this one too, uh, idolatry. How many of you right now, by a show of hands, are going to go home and bow down and worship some false god? Okay, I don't expect any hands. I hope no. It, please send me afterwards you know, if you're thinking about slipping. Nobody, you know, nobody in here is you know, just blatantly, I hope, you know, going out and worshiping false gods. I want to ask you another question, and I want you to think seriously about this. How many of you are familiar with uh, like Captain America? You know, like the Avengers? Almost everyone in this room, right? How many of you would go home and have no problem whatsoever watching the Thor movies or the Avenger movies on television. You don't have to raise your hands, it's okay. 
But I just want you to think, this is a self-reflecting time. I would imagine there probably are some in here. <clears throat> Did you know, if you watch these movies, you do know. Do you know who Thor is? Thor is the false god of thunder. How many of you are going home and, you know, bowing down and worshiping false gods? Nobody in this room, probably. How many of you are willing to go home and entertain yourself with false gods inside of your home? You know what I did? As soon as I come to this realization, you know what I did with my Thor and Avenger and Guardians of the Galaxy and all that? I threw it in the dump. You think, well, I could sell them. Well, if it's evil for me to have in my house, why would it somehow not be evil for someone else to have in their house? Boy, I'm really not going to be asked back now. Because this goes completely against our culture, doesn't it? You know, we just want to enjoy everything and not worry about the spiritual implications. If you've read the Old Testament, you know how firm God is on the idea of even being entertained by false gods. Even though it's not a statue in your home, if you enjoy it being on your television, you know what enjoyment is? Enjoyment is a particular type of affection that we have, right? You know, you have a good affection for playing soccer or baseball or golf, you know, whatever. If I have a good affection for having a false god on my screen, let me charge you with this. You need to turn away, put away the false gods from your midst. We as the church cannot expect to have rivers of living water flowing out of our lives when we just go with the flow with the rest of the world. But we're to be separating ourselves from the world. Okay, so let's move on. Sorcery. Okay, so what this is, it's the Greek word pharmakeia. Uh, it's, it's more specifically used as drug use. Boy, that speaks... Has there ever been a time in human history where drug use was more available than it is today? Specifically drug use, talking about mind and mood-altering drugs. Are there particular medicines that we can take? Yeah, you know, that's why Paul told Timothy, you know, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. There's a difference between you, like when I got my wisdom teeth out, I don't know what they gave me, but uh, I, I know that I took too much of it and I was throwing up. I was sick on top of being miserable for having my wisdom teeth out. See, there's a use for this type of stuff, but what he's talking about here is the abuse of any sort of drug use, any sort of substance, alcohol. You know, he, he's against all of the abuse of these mind-altering substances. There is practical and proper use, and that's a clear line away from the abuse of these. Put these away from you. Um, <clears throat> enmities, this goes in the same category. Enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying. All of this is talking directly about human relations and not having a good conscience with one another. The Bible says, if it be up to you, live at peace with all men, if at all possible. Does it mean you can't address hard topics? No, because at times we have to do that. 
Don't be someone who is a peacetaker. Be a peacemaker. Drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So now, what do you, these are things that should be in your innermost being, and this is what we're going to close with. These are uh, fruits of the Spirit right here that should be in your innermost being, and if your water filter is not clogged, these type of behaviors should be flowing out of you on a daily basis. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience. How many of you are not patience people? God has turned me from being an impatient person and he's still working on me today with, that, uh, with patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. See, this is another critical one. Are you gentle with people? Or are you harsh with people? Self-control against such things, there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That was the first section of things that we went through. You crucified those desires and carrying out those desires. But if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Walk is basically that metaphorical term for us living our day-to-day -day lives, our day-to-day -day behaviors, interactions with our spouse, interactions with our close circle, co-workers. Let us walk with these types of behaviors. Now see, if your filter is getting clogged, there's a reason for it. Because you've got dirt that you're not willing to get out of the filter so that the water flow is coming through you. Because if you're crucifying your own desires and taking up your cross daily and practicing the fruits of the Spirit, then by the power of the, not your power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will cause rivers of living water to flow out of you. So now the final question that I've got to ask everyone in this room. Right now, not while you're in church necessarily, when you leave this building, do the people around you see something different about you? Do you know in your heart that I'm giving my whole heart to the Lord so that rivers of His living water can be flowing out of my mouth, out of my behavior, out of the things I involve myself with, and I can be a good testimony to the God I serve so that I need not be ashamed at His coming? Let's pray. God, thank you right now for giving us the opportunity to come together, Lord, to go over your holy, righteous, inerrant scriptures. God, we want to give you all the praise and glory 
in our lives. And the only way possible we can do that is to seek you with all of our heart. Lord, sin and evil is too strong for us. God, you know that we are but mere dust. You know how weak we are. God, it's only by your power that we can ever say no to sin and the ways of this world. God, we humbly come before you today as your creation made in your image. And we want to plead with you, God. God, please have mercy on us. Please be patient with us. Please give us the strength and the power from the Holy Spirit inside of us to get rid of all the dirt in our lives that's clogging up and grieving and quenching your spirit. Lord, so that we can have rivers of your living truth flow out of our lives. God, we want to give all of us to you. All of our innermost being, God, we cause you to stir our hearts so that it not just gives us some warm, fuzzy emotion, Lord, but it causes our feet to walk in a manner that's pleasing in your sight. God, I ask that you be with everybody in this room right now. Lord, convict them where they need convicting and commend them where they need encouragement. God, you know all of us individually, and we trust you with all our being. And it's through the name of our, pray, our Savior, the only name under heaven in which a person can be saved that we pray. It's the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.